Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U, where there are no degrees because the learning never stops. I'm Dove, a TA here at Gooner U, and my friend Keith is our stalwart distinguished professor of Arsenal and Football Studies. This week featured our 24th Premier League match of the season, away at Burnley. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. Um, are, are you as excited as I was about another Cedric sighting? <laughs> yeah, right. That, that was good. It also, at times, felt like a West Ham rematch in more ways than one uh, between uh, the score yeah. and the jerseys. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The classic claret and blue, yeah. which, is a, which is a very nice look, I have to say. But um, yeah. between the, between them, Burnley, uh, West Ham, and Aston Villa, yeah, that's a, oh, yeah. Aston Villa that's too, a lot of right. that's a lot of claret and blue. Uh, again, a, a very nice color combination, apparently, especially for Arsenal. <laughs> to stop all over. Yes. Of course, only Burnley was the one that adopted the Clarets as their nickname. So they, mm-hmm. they really well. The, went the others have the others have nicknames. So you know, <laughs> better than just the color of their jerseys. <laughs> I mean, it, well, we talked about this. It's a very common thing: the reds, yeah. the blues. You know that. So that's not unusual. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, to kick things off, we don't really have much in the way of news or follow-up, but uh, if we want to diverge over to the messy room for a minute, I won't, I won't do the lights because Messi no. himself is not named in this news, but some MLS updates. Uh, what do you have? Yeah, so uh, first we should note uh, MLS begins this coming weekend, so if you're, you know, again, supporting American soccer... Yeah. Uh, that, start, I- that starts this week. That starts... Well, I should say that the league itself will start on Saturday... Um, well, I guess maybe there are probably some games on Friday, but the league will start this weekend. Uh, but midweek, uh, in fact, tomorrow, uh, my my adopted hometown, Houston Dynamo, uh, <laughs> will be will be playing uh, St. Louis in the Concacaf Champions Cup. So that's what I'm. That's why I'm kitted out in the black this evening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. New York City, unfortunately, did not make uh, the competition because New York City did not make the playoffs because they stunk last year. But they'll be better. Right. I think they'll be better this, <laughs> this season as well. So hopefully a good season, a uh, better season in MLS. But that's not really the big story with MLS. The right. big story is they have no referees. Well, let me rephrase that. The referees union, uh, their contract expired, this, their collectively bargained uh, contract expired with the league, and apparently they are now being locked out. Uh, because they have yet to come to an agreement on hmm. a new deal. So they will start the season with replacement referees, hmm. um, which could get interesting. Yeah. So replacement referees, so they're not part of the MLS referees union, whatever it's called. Uh, right. Well, because Wait, the, yeah. yeah. Where are they from, I guess, is the question. Like, what do they referee when they're not filling in the MLS? Um, it looked like some of them, and you know, I'm pulling off uh, the article on the Athletic who talked about this since they've they've gone to lockout. Uh, which apparently, by the way, the the um, agreement was rejected by the 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 union. Uh, Ninety five point eight percent said no, so pretty overwhelmingly opposition yeah. to this. <laughs> um, so let me see if I can stream through here. Basically, it says uh, they. I mean, you know, they they have a contingency plan, so they've got other people. Uh, presumably, uh, people who have refereed at lower levels, um, can't seem to find where that is. Some people have refereed at lower levels. There was somewhere in one of their releases that says something like, these are referees who have, uh, some of them have experience in other countries. Um, so perhaps they are, I don't want to say retirement, but perhaps maybe they have, you know, they were, their, their, their prime was a little earlier. It'll be mm. interesting to see. I recall, I want to say about a decade ago, the, the NFL, Professional American Football League, 
had replacement referees, and it was not good. Um, now we should. Some of it was the skill level of the officiating. They were clearly making more mistakes than we typically see. But one of the interesting things to notice was the way they interacted with coaches um, and players. <laughs> that that you know, coaches and players, as we've seen, were always going to yell at the referees, right? They're always, sure. they're right there to disagree with calls. The difference is, and, and sometimes it's a criticism of referees that, that, that they're arrogant. Given the personalities and the strength of the personalities they're dealing with, sometimes you need a little bit of arrogance, you know, to say, shut up, that was the call, I'm right, sit down. Um, right. And that was one thing you could notice is the replacement refs. And this, again, the NFL a decade ago did not have that. They were clearly intimidated by some of the people who were shouting at them. I can imagine, um, yeah. We'll, we'll see what that looks like. Hopefully this isn't long. I mean, I know a lot of people have complaints about the referees in MLS. Um, not I, undeservedly I also, so, but... I would also imagine there'd be less of that intimidation with any given MLS manager who you probably know less about going into the match than I'd imagine they do about NFL managers. Like, there's some there's some big personalities there. I don't know. I don't know, but it's the case with most MLS teams, probably. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, obviously it's not as someone like the stature of like Bill Belichick, you know, glaring at you. But I, but I mean, with I mean, these are people who worked within the sport. Um, some of them are some decent sized names. Uh, the, the, I mean, I'm trying to think of a few names. I know now I can't think of names off my head. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there are some, there are some have been around, had success. Tata Martino's in Atlanta. Right. That's the um, only one I know of. Yeah, Right. He's the, he's the big one or no, I'm sorry. He was at Atlanta. He's at Miami. Right. Now he's at Miami. Um, that's why I know him. Right. <laughs> but I mean, some of these guys, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the name of the guy who's in Seattle, but it's obviously done very well there. Wilfred Nancy who's at Columbus just won the cup. So there's a few mm. names that, and, and again, these, even if they aren't necessarily intimidating names, they are massive type A personalities. I mean that's part of okay, how sure. a coach at that level. So yeah. I mean, we'll, it'll be curious to see. I know there are some, uh, and I've lobbed some complaints. And plenty of people have had complaints about MLS referees in the past. I think it'll be better for everyone if this is resolved and they're and they're back. But you know, sure. this, the, every once in a while, this sort of thing happens. Um, also, we haven't I, we haven't talked about this, but you can flip onto the MLS website and see the. Uh, I believe every team has released their newest uh, kit for the season from MLS, so they are. Uh, yeah, so let's briefly enter okay. the messy room. Uh, yeah. So yes, I saw the new kits because I bought a messy kit last mm. season. I, I'm on their list, and no matter how many times I've clicked unsubscribe, I don't want emails from you. It does not work. Oh <laughs> yeah, I know. I have se- I have, <laughs> I have several teams and several leagues where this is a problem. I don't know what there's something about their list. It's very annoying. But yeah, yes. I so yeah, completely broken unsubscribe link. But regardless, mm-hmm. so I saw when their new kits were announced, it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I don't like them. They went with the center patch, the same mm-hmm. as Manchester City had uh, last season. Yeah. And I don't like the way that that looks, and I think it'll probably have a sweat ring problem um as the Manchester City one did. But yeah, I don't like the way it looks. I'm glad that I got my last season jersey because I like the way it looks a lot more. I, I specifically, specifically, what I didn't like about the Miami ones is it was they what they called they stacked the logo. So you had the, right. the Adidas one, the the crest, and then it was was it Royal Caribbean as their sponsor? No, it's not. It's not XBTO like it was last year, but it it, it is different than last year. Oh yeah, um, but it's so. yeah, but it's basically it's it, the it's oh like, maybe yeah, it, it is. You know what? It, it is, is Royal yes. Caribbean. I didn't just, know what the logo was, <laughs> but now just, that you well, say it, yeah, it's an anchor. Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah. <laughs> But what they did is they stacked the logos. Yep. And I almost pulled my headphones out. They stacked the logos, and so you've got this like weird sort of like everything centered, and it's yes. just a whole lot of blank space. Which, um, 
Yeah, yeah. You know, is is kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> New York City has gone with a very classy black number, which I'm, I, you know, it's honestly the best jersey they've ever had was their first ever change kit, which was a very nice black. This one's not quite as nice as it, but it's still pretty, pretty solid. Uh, Houston has gone with a purple, um, hmm. which is it, which is definitely it's it's nice. I, the rumor have been purple for a while. Well, it's a lot nicer than I I was I was expecting. I think some people were worried it might be, but uh, okay. There's some inter- there's some nice interesting designs there, and also a few that are like, well, that's a that's a choice. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't anticipate buying the new one. Um, I barely bought the old one, but yeah, yeah. it's it's also a darker pink too for Miami. It's, right. it's a more bold pink. So and, yeah, and, overall, yeah. no. <laughs> I mean, but but you think about it, even we've seen that with Arsenal just over the last couple of years, like the different shades of red each year. That's just kind of a thing you see. They oh, don't, sure. You know, in terms of the shirt itself, the logo stays the same. The colors of the logo stay the same, but the shirt shade. I want to get the enunciation right there. Um, that that ten that will can be variable year to year, which I've always been kind of fascinated by. But anyway. yeah, <laughs> all right. So exiting the messy room, let's uh, what's going on in the rest of MLS now? What other news do we have? Uh, real quick, only because this I saw this story like as I was logging into the room to start this conversation this evening. Oh, Apparently, boy. there is going to be restructuring of the U.S. Open Cup. We talked a little bit about this back in December. MLS announced that they were they would not participate. Or they would participate only with their youth teams, and U.S. Soccer basically, U.S. Soccer Federation basically said, "No, you won't." Uh, that was kind of the end of it. But apparently, they are having a a. This is, and I'm just quoting the link there, the ESPN article. Uh, complete details are still being ironed out, but the decision to have a tournament in 2024 has been made, and what will likely gain final approval is a hybrid type of tournament with not every MLS team participating. Mm-hmm. And the idea, and there's a lot of other, there's some other behind the scenes stuff involved. I think the idea was with fixture congestion. Part of what you might see is MLS teams playing in the Champions Cup. So in the Concacaf competition, would have the option apparently of not participating in the in terms of fixture congestion. Now I don't think that okay. the the amount of overlap between those two competitions I don't think is really very much at all. So that strikes me as an odd choice. Uh, but that was one rumor I had heard. I, I, the interesting one was what was going to happen to Houston because they are obviously in CONCACAF the Cup this week, but also they're in CONCACAF Cup because they won the U.S. Open Cup last year, and you might they might want to defend that title. So it's, it'll be curious to see, again, that's, it's hard to say exactly what exactly that will look like, but apparently those negotiations are ongoing, and apparently that will... Hopefully that will be announced soon. Given they say yeah. the first round, the first round of the competition is supposed to be in March, and uh, mm. March is not far away. So. No, no. So the U.S. Open Cup happens annually. Yes, every okay. year. Well, it, it's essentially the same. Well, it's the same basic tournament as the FA Cup, only without the massive random draw every right. uh, every round. It's very regionalized, which makes sense because you know England is the same size as Louisiana. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so, and then the CONCACAF Champions Cup is also every year. That's like the UEFA Champions League. Yes, it used to be called the Champions League. They've revamped it. They revamp it every couple of years. Uh, You know, CONCACAF competitions are weird because they're historically and traditionally dominated by Mexican clubs. MLS clubs have gotten better over the years, um, but still very much the Mexican sides tend to be the better ones overall. Uh, And then a whole bunch of teams from Central America and the Caribbean who are... Yeah. You know, there are a handful of, of good ones. Some we see, some you'll see regularly every year or most years. Um, 
but obviously the U.S. and Mexican sides who are now putting a little bit more of their focus on the na- on the League's Cup, excuse me. Right. Um, but also you have, you know, when the Mexicans, Mexican teams are basically in the middle of their season, they run more of a fall to spring schedule. Right. Uh, more like the European calendar. So they are in the middle of the season. MLS is is in preseason still, basically. And they're also involved in the tournament at this level. So there's always been a weird imbalance in terms of the timing and the scheduling. So Sure. That makes sense. Um, I guess what strikes me as weird, if, if that is finalized and Champions Cup competitors need not participate, that almost does effectively relegate U.S. Open Cup as like a second-tier competition. If you're basically saying the best MLS teams do not need to be and probably won't be in it, that who's left, right? It's it's all the teams that didn't qualify for the Champions Cup. Well, that would be... That, well, again, that's, that's one rumor I had heard, although it makes the most sense given the big concern is fixture congestion. Although yeah. I think this is where MLS's um, unpredictability is a little more... It, you know, plays to its benefit because... I mean, you really MLS is very volatile because of the the salary cap and sort of the weird finances and how it's structured. So, like teams teams can jump up or fall back to the pack very quickly. There are a handful of clubs that are generally well run, but it doesn't take much to ride up the table. I mean, Cincinnati two years ago was the worst team in the league. And then last year they won the supporter shield as the best team in the regular season. So like in a sense, you know, you know, Houston was Houston had was nice last season, but he, I mean, for them to win the the cup was a bit of a, the cup was a bit of a surprise. Miami winning the league's cup, Miami being in the final, we saw that Miami most of the year was not good. Um, So in a sense, it's almost a little bit more like the older version of the, the FA cup where the big clubs, Certainly, by and large, were better. But you go back 10, 15 years, and you look at the teams that are in like the final of the FA Cup, and you, you know, you who's relatively new to the sport will probably look and go, "Who?" <laughs> um, but it's like not courts, like that anymore, though. Yeah, it, right. You see, you see a much, much more, uh, much more likely to see at least one of, if not both, of the final spots being taken by the big clubs. Um, I mean, the League Cup is coming uh, final. The Carabao Cup finals the end of the month is going to be Chelsea and Liverpool. Mm. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, so uh, let's head over to, what was it, Turf Moor? Uh, Turf Moor. Yeah. <laughs> very, very tiny. It's another one of these clubs where they don't have a tunnel to take them out to the bench. So we mm. see them at the beginning and at the, at the end of the halftime break. The, the management team and the trainers and everyone, they all... <laughs> have to trudge across the pitch <laughs> the extremely mm-hmm. saturated pitch yesterday uh to, mm-hmm. to walk was, to their bench it was it was very very wet uh it was poor a very english pouring rain yeah i we made fun last week of the the west ham fans leaving early i have zero interest in making fun of the burnley fans that looked absolutely miserable <laughs> i i would yeah. i might have left too uh, they, yeah their stands weren't even covered <laughs> Yeah. Just getting poured on the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both 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 on and off the field. Um Yeah. It's funny, the telecast didn't actually show the Exodus like they did with West Ham that I recall. They mentioned it, but they didn't show it. Yeah, not like with West Ham. I mean, it's so much more visually striking because of the size of the stadium. Sure. Um and also just sort of the idea like Burnley's going down. 
They stink. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, and I don't mean this to like. I don't want to. This doesn't take away from Arsenal. And we can talk about that. But but I Burnley is is just not very good, and they know it. And you know, given the way the game was going, I especially at home. Like if you were away, you probably stick it out because you know what does it matter? Like you hop the train, you're still getting home. You know later anyway. But here yeah. you're at home. Like let's just leave. Like what are we doing? You know. <laughs> some days, some days it's your to ask. What are you doing? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. Like thinking about it from their perspective, though. Like I, I imagine myself as a Burnley fan, and I. I kind of feel like I would still want to see the Arsenal players playing, even if they're beating on your team. It's like there were moments last season where we were getting the snot kicked out of us by Manchester City, and I knew we didn't have a chance in hell of winning the match. Mm. But I was admiring the level of play of like Erling Holland and De Bruyne and Alvarez. Like I was still enjoying watching the top team in the league kick the snot out of us, just admiring this <laughs> athleticism of it, you know? I mean, you're that's because you're a better man than I am. Uh <laughs> I, at a certain point, I've se- I've seen enough. I don't need to like marvel at it. I, you know, the, the, I, but but I, I get I get your point. Um, but you know, I, I no. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean I, I mean, I've talked about some of the blowouts I've been on the other side. At. I mean, I usually will stick it out for the end of the game. Sort of in the I paid for the I paid for ninety minutes. I'm going to get my ninety minutes. Um, right. You know, and there's a sense of being the fan that kind of rides it out. You know, the you're there for the bad times, which makes the good times all the sweeter. Um, but you know, sometimes like on a day like that, I, I wouldn't, I can't, well, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I guess- can't, I can't fault them. Yeah, part of part of what what I was thinking too is not just like seeing Arsenal play, but like the whole season, right? This is pretty clearly going to be their one season in the, in the Premier League for a while, it seems mm-hmm. like, right? They're going to go back to a championship, and they've seen them play all those teams for a while. This is their season. Like, this may be their only time for any one fan in the stands seeing Burnley play this season to see a Premier League, like, top-tier team. That, that The sports fan, I would think, could win out in that circumstance. Maybe. Although, Burnley was relegated, like, two years ago. Like, the, they, were, they were only down for a year or two. Oh, okay. uh, they've actually been up recently. I mean, yeah, I, I, I can certainly understand that. But, you know, given the season they've had, you know, now we're hitting February. Remember, they've been playing for a, for a while and very mm-hmm. clearly towards the bottom of the league. Like, at a certain point, the majesty of the whole thing just kind of wears off. And just, you know, you you have not had the experience of following a truly bad team. No. It, it, <laughs> at some point, like, you just don't care. Like, it, everything stinks. Everything's awful. Um. I mean, obviously, with the Arsenal, like the worst Arsenal team I've ever watched finished in eighth. They were not very pleasant to watch, but they were still better than most of the teams in the league. Right. I have watched some other other sports, other teams, some of them very bad. Some mm. of the, those seasons are long, and you just... <laughs> you know, I'm usually watching for the comfort of my home and my couch on the TV. Like, I, you know, I can watch that forever, but like... To, I can I, I, to, I can imagine how draining it can be to go to some of that and see some of that live. Um, yeah, but this true. is yeah, but this is not Claret you. This is Gooner you, and <laughs> I'm I'm going to enjoy the fact that we were rampant once again. Yeah, you know, as you said before we recorded, you know, I, I could get used to this. Um, it's, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, I mean, I am slightly concerned that they scored one fewer goal this week than last week. So, you know, uh, maybe I'm getting spoiled a little bit there, but. But I will say we closed, we closed the goal difference gap. I, you know, just thinking about that, um, 
you know, because we came into the year, obviously, on the heels of a bad run at the, you know, right after Christmas. And then, of course, the first game of the new year was the FA Cup. We lost to Liverpool. Since that loss to Liverpool, we played five Premier League games. Uh, we beat Crystal Palace 5-0, Forest 2-1, Liverpool 3-1, West Ham 6-0, Burnley 5-0. So right. hang on a moment. I'm going to do math really quickly here in my head. <laughs> uh, 7-10. That's 21 to two right over five games right yeah we have the best goal difference in the league now it looked like looking at the table yesterday right uh yeah we're that if we're or we are at least uh yes we're the best goal difference in the league we have, we have 50, like 36 yeah. i think or something yeah we're at plus 36 we i mean it's amazing how tight the top of the league is right now mm-hmm. I, my my presumption is uh city plays that has the game in hand they play brentford tomorrow tuesday my presumption is they will win. Of course, I thought they'd beat Chelsea at home on on Sunday, and they didn't. Um, or was that Saturday? Whatever it was. Yeah. They beat Chelsea at home, and they ended up drawing, uh, you know, a little bit like we were. Some of those games, we were generating a lot of chances and not scoring. Same thing. Yeah. City generated a lot of chances, didn't quite score. Well, they got one, but enough to draw level. I mean, consider this. If, if City were to win, let's just say 2-0. If City wins 2-0... Uh, Liverpool's on top, fifty-seven points to City's uh, fifty uh, to City's fifty-six, and Arsenal at fifty-five. Uh, if they won two-nil, they would be plus thirty-three. City would be plus thirty-three on goal difference. We're thirty-six. Liverpool's thirty-five. City would have fifty-nine goals, tied with Liverpool, and one ahead of us at fifty-eight. And then in terms of goals allowed, City's allowed twenty-six, Liverpool's twenty-four, Arsenal twenty-two. Yeah, that's insane how close that is. Yeah. It is, um, yeah. So, yeah, this is going to be a wild ride. Um, I'm trying not to look too far. I'm trying not to think about, like, the title race kind of thing. Because we have 13 games left. That's a lot. Uh, and it's mid-February. But, yeah, we're, we, are, we are in the thick of it now. Yeah. Yeah, so... So getting to the details of this match. So again, we're talking about the, the match away at Burnley. This happened on Saturday, the 17th of February this year, and mm-hmm. we won 5 0. And it's our 24th match of the, of the season. So uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, inching into the second half. You know, it's uh, looking good so far overall. And uh, so th- this match, it was funny. I was kind of, I watched a couple minutes at a time here and there as I was doing other things, watching the replay a, a day later. And I'd been thinking, I, I wasn't, I didn't have something handy to, to note this down, but I've been thinking over those first few minutes, like, eh, you know, the, not going quite as well as I'd like. <laughs> and then it didn't take very long before. Oh, okay. No. Odegaard's got yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, the early, the early goal does so much for us to get oh, yeah. that goal. We've, t- we've talked about how it opens, how it opens teams up. Although Burnley is a team, it's interesting. For years, we talked about what they were previously in the league under Sean Deitch. Burnley was the team that, you know, won on grit and tackling and set pieces. And they were so hard to break down and they were such a pain to play against. They get relegated. They fire Sean Dice. They bring in Vincent Company, who played for years at City. Institutes this sort of open, more play out of the back style that, that you see at City and Arsenal has played in a few other places. They do really well in the championship. As we said, they came back up after one year, completely remade the squad. But the problem is they can't play that. They play that style with championship players against Premier League teams. That's why they're going down. They can't really do. They don't have the talent level to do that right. effectively. Um, 
So they were going to come out and play us, which, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're there for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So, you know, we'll, we'll get into the rest of the match or in the rest of a half. But to me, one line from one of my favorite movies, Raiders of a Lost Ark, kept on coming to mind throughout this entire first half. It's kind of wore away after, into the second half. But in the first half, I keep on hearing Belloc saying, Dr. Jones, again, we see there's nothing you can possess, which I cannot take away. And that's what happened. Like They would get the ball away from us frustratingly often, more often than I'd like to see, whether it was mm-hmm. a bad pass on our end or them just poking it away or whatever. But they couldn't hold on to it for more than mm. a second or two at a time. Like they'd get it away from us, but it was so short lived that it didn't even end up affecting anything ever. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's something Arteta's talked about. And that's something Arsenal continues to improve is our play when we don't have the ball that, and the, the, the aggression involved in getting it back. That's, that's the, when he talks about tackles, when he talks about duels, that's the kind of thing, even if you lose the ball, get it back. And mm-hmm. we do that very effectively. We've seen a lot this season, uh, especially against teams that like to play out, especially like we saw against Liverpool, the high press that were coming at them in their own end and forcing turnovers deep. Um, right. We saw that's part of what we saw there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're right. There were moments where we, I mean, I don't, you know, again, we were up one nil from the beginning. And at that point it was going to be hard for Burnley to really come back on us. They had a few chances. I, I recall Raya made one or two saves, a couple of yeah. decent ones. Most, um, yeah. But, mostly in the second half, especially toward the end of a second half. They, they came yeah, alive but, a little bit. But that, uh, <laughs> yeah. But that, but the penalty there shortly before the half, that was it, man. That was the game right there. Yeah. Yeah, basically, which you know, it's it's funny. There are so many direct parallels between this match and the West Ham match, right? Mm-hmm. Like both matches, the penalty was our second goal. It happened fairly early in the first half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Saka converted both of them. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that, that penalty kick, actually, though. So it was a little bit of nail biting as it was advancing toward the goal. And you saw the keeper jumped the right way and even got mm-hmm. maybe a fingertip on it or something. It just, what, what happened there? Was it too strong for him or was it out of reach? Like it looked like he should have had that. It's interesting. Someone pointed this out to me as we were watching it. It almost looks like the keeper hesitates slightly as he's making the jump. Like if he fully commits to it, he probably does get in front of it. Like, Saka was kind of cool on the penalty, probably a little cooler than he should have been, because I'm not sure it was a terribly well... He hits it hard, but I feel yeah. like he, he, he'd want that one back. It uh, wasn't a terribly well-struck penalty, but, oh, you know, the, the keeper, that... I mean, the, it, the inches and seconds, right? That half seconds, that just that flinch he has as he comes mm. over, he doesn't quite get all the way over. I mean, you, and you've played keeper, the ball's shot at you, you know, like a finger, like your fingertips... Our fingers aren't very strong, you know, so no. the ball comes at your hand. It's very easy for them to get bent back. They're, they're not, not strong, although I will say, and, and some listeners who haven't played keeper may not realize this, but um, at, at their level, and it's optional, like at the youth level and for me as an amateur, but <clears throat> you can get there's two types of keeper gloves. You have regular gloves like you would think of, but they do make and this is what all the professionals use. I think mm-hmm. uh, maybe not, but they should. Um they're, they're reinforced with steel along the outside. Of oh, the I'm sure. Heads. Yes. So yeah. that prevents you from like snapping your finger in half. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, and right. I mean, we're doing the slow motion bend, but the point yeah. is, even when you get your fingers on it, like all yeah. you're doing, you're not stopping it with your fingertips. Slightly you're, misdirecting you're, it. You're, yeah, yeah. You're slightly deflecting it, which in that case, the ball was, you know, low and it, obviously the only place it was getting deflected was in the back of the net. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't think it was a terribly good penalty, but, um, I mean, overall, like, 
you know, we, we, we deserved, we, we deserved the lead. We deserved the control of the game. And then, you know, it was just, uh, it was interesting. We didn't have the kind of blitz that we saw against, against West Ham where like we got those goals very quickly right at the end of the half here. They right. were, you look at sort of the way they're spaced out in the game and they're kind of just throughout the course of the match, which yeah, pretty much, you yeah. know, does give you a, a greater sense of control. Um, but well, you know, it's largely good. And what goes along with that, though, too, is like we never gave up trying. Like just the entire match, we were relentless mm-hmm. in just attempt after attempt after attempt. I mean, the number of corner kicks we took, which we didn't actually convert uh, this time. We didn't have any yeah. uh, corner corner kick goals, or I think even set piece goals. I think we had that one toward the end that was close and <laughs> maybe should have gone in, but um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, we we they were all just natural goals in the penalty. So. Well, I do think there's. I do think we could. The last one is something of a set piece goal because it comes right off the throw in. Okay, I wasn't thinking of it that way. That's yeah, true. I, well, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing for for years or the longest time. That's how we people thought of throw ins was. You know, oh, you just get the ball, chuck it in, and, and get off to it. But increasingly, we're seeing, and Arsenal's been doing this all season, like the running plays off of that. Remember because. You know, a, a, a throw-in is one of the plays in which you can't be offside. Oh, so if right. you actually watched, I believe Havertz is actually offside when Kivior throws him the ball, but but he's but it's a throw-in, so he can't be offside. Legally offside, uh, yeah. It, right. <laughs> he isn't an offside he is in an offside position, but again, it's not offside because it's a throw-in. And so the idea is put yourself in that position and the defense has to react to it, but that may be not what they want to do, or in this case with Havertz, it's not the fastest player, but, you know, sort of a, the big loping stride of a big guy. Um, right. <laughs> I'd have to say, watching Havertz more, I mean, he, he feels, I mean, obviously there's a level of comfort he's having. I thought he's been really good the last couple of games. Um, he has a dark side to his game, too. Like oh, yeah. he, he, it strikes me that as I watch him, he, he is willing or able to do some of the, uh, the Ben White esque shenanigans, uh, the dark arts. There's other terms for it, but as we can't use on a family friendly show, um, but some of the <laughs> kinds curious. of things, yeah, some of the kinds of things he's doing. So you know, like the little things that, like I, I, not that I watched Chelsea a great deal. I really watched him closely when he was at Chelsea and never really thought to myself, oh, yeah, Kai Havertz is the guy we're going to sign. But, like, I, that's more than I expected. And it's the kind of thing, you, like, with Ben White, it's the kind of thing you need mm. on, a, on a championship team. Like, everyone loves the idea of a team that's full of skill and just, you know, glides around and does all that. you got to have a bit – you have to have a few players who have a bit of an edge to them. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we can talk about, like, Odegaard is a ruthless player, but he's not a physical player. Right. You need a few guys who aren't afraid to be a little physical. You know, have a little steel in the spine, so to speak. And, you know, sometimes that involves, you know, physical intimidation. I mean, Thomas Party can be good at this. Granit Xhaka could be good at it, but could also go really, get really bad with it. Uh, but yeah. you also need sort of the Ben White and the Kai Havertz's kind of plays, the kind of plays that when the other team does it, you just hate them so much. <laughs> but when your team does it, it is hilarious. Yeah. Um, you reminded me talking about that, though. I'm pretty sure this must have been a corner kick in the first half. I didn't make a note of it. But um, there, was, there was one 
we were preparing for a corner kick mm-hmm. and <laughs> Burnley, I don't remember the player's name, but one of them was marking, I'm pretty sure it was Ben White mm-hmm. and facing him, like his back was to the corner kick. It was, they were like practically brawling with each other. Mm-hmm. He'd like knocked Ben White into the goal. Like they were really going back and forth. The ref didn't break it up. I don't think no. like, said something to them beforehand, maybe, but what was going on there? <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a lot of physical play in the box on a corner. Like we, yeah. you know, it, it, you don't almost notice it as much because you're so busy watching the ball. But if you like actually watch their, especially you can see in the slow motion, you can see guys pull around, shirts getting pulled, guys getting tossed around. Like there's a lot of contact. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, a lot of that stuff gets let go. My favorite part about the sequence, because I know exactly the one you're talking about, is it actually ends. It basically almost ends with Ben White getting pushed into the keeper. Which oh, is okay, like, right. which I'm thinking to myself, he's ascended to a higher plane of shenanigans. He is now getting them to <laughs> it, cause him to interfere with their game. Like, it's freaking brilliant. It's great. He's so great. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess if you think about it, like if they did let him get away with it, like that could ultimately be even more damaging than whatever he was trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, the point is he's the point. I mean, the point is he's there to cause chaos. Yeah. He's there to be a nuisance. Now we've seen the way like what was last year, the one where he's holding the keeper's hand and you know, like little right, things right. little things like that to get in the way. But be because he does that, and, and Burnley is the first one I've really seen to do that. Someone came up and was basically like pushing him away from the keeper, not gonna let him do that. But that's another player that's taken out of position and now they're jostling and moving around and right. all of a sudden the keeper goes up to get the ball and there's a guy in his way that wasn't you know, so there's it's all about creating a little bit of that chaos in the box. Which yeah. I think you know it, Ben White does so well and continues to do well uh, for us. So. Well, yeah, and I'd rather have him doing that than actually trying to get his head on the ball because that did not go well the last time, and I'm not going to let that go because I still can't believe that one. <laughs> well, look, he, look, if he scores in our goal from the opposite box, I mean, what are you going to? You know, honestly, I feel like a lot of other people are at fault in that one before before no, we blame Ben White, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I just, I, I guess I don't trust the aim of his head as well. I'd rather he uh, just be <laughs> distracting their defenders. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but overall, I mean, it, you know, they just, you know, Kivior has been really good. Just thinking about how good the team has been playing overall, I'm just the different amount of things we can do, especially offensively. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't have Zinchenko to move into the middle, but Kivior has been good. Havertz and Trossard have a really good interchange, had a really good interchange on that side. Saka and Odegaard, of course. Yeah. Of course, um, you know, yeah, Martinelli I've, I've is a noticed, terror. I've noticed some weakness in Kivir. Like, I've noticed some technical deficiencies. Like, his passes don't always go where he'd like them to as often, like, as often as they do for other players, it seems like. Like, he misses the mark a little more frequently. Not a lot, not, like, awfully, but I, I noticed some some roughness with him a little bit. Uh, maybe, but I mean, you know, he's he's definitely a better defender than Zinchenko. And we see Zinchenko have some, like, bonehead giveaways here and there. Mm. And I, but Zinchenko's obviously active, asked to play very differently, to move into the center and be more of a distributor in the middle right. from the left-back position. Kivior is a bit more of a classic left-back, a little bit more like Ben White on the, on the right side. Um, doesn't do the overlapping runs quite as well, but partly because, like, I don't think he can catch Martinelli. <laughs> I don't think he right. say he can't overlap in the same way. <laughs> no. Um, you know, S- Saka and White, and to an extent Odegaard, do that kind of overlapping and then movement on that side. The other side generally tends to be give Martinelli the ball and let him it's beat his him man, and yeah. let him beat his man. Which you know is, is again, it's it's good to have that sense of understanding of the players and their strengths sure. and how you want them to function like that. So, um, yeah, well, yeah. but yeah, so, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, I'd say Kivior has been a, has been very good in that position. Yeah. Um, one last thing to talk about before I close out our first half discussion. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there is a, a little bit of uh, interest uh, in the box in the very end and stoppage time mm-hmm. of the first half. So what exactly? So I, I saw Saka kick the ball away. And he was given a yellow card for that, I think. What precipitated that? And did he do that knowing that he would get punished and he just didn't care? Like, what, what happened there? So, yeah, the, 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 it's, it's either called time-wasting or dissent. Basically, you'll see that it's, it's always considered in poor sportsmanship and taste, you know, after the whistle's blown for a – I think it was an offside, but after the whistle's blown, a kick. And it gives it a little bit of a kick. I mean, it could just be general frustration – I'm sure on some level he'll argue I didn't hear the whistle, which sometimes is legitimate. I mean, honestly, right, and, and which it yeah. honestly did kind of look like, like the way he kicked it looked like it could have been a cross. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I, that's one of those like I, I even if that's true and he didn't hear the whistle, which I'm not sure I buy, frankly. But <laughs> uh, you know, like it, it's a frustration, or then it's frustration. I mean, that's a yellow. Like I didn't have I, I didn't have any problem with it. I understand why they gets called. Like I, you know. The fact is that's the rule, and he kicked the ball after the whistle. Yeah. He can't, and and not just like he was rolling it to someone else. Like he, right? He kicked. He clearly was kicking it, and you could right. say, well, he's just pushing it out of the way. So yeah, that's a that's a card. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think the yellow card was was more or less clear to me. I was just I just wasn't clear on what precipitated that. Mm-hmm. So so it was off. So you think it was just an offside? And I, I forget exactly. I think okay. it was a, there was a it was an offside. I think it was offside. There was something called, and that's why they stopped the. That's why they they blew the whistle to stop play. Yeah. So, you feeling thirsty? I am, actually. (laughs) Well, I have just the thing for you. Uh, Liquid Mm -hmm. IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, and Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Uh, for me, my main use of it is after after workouts, if I go for a run, or after sports activities when I'm, when I'm coaching my son. Uh, it's super convenient. I, I love the way that it tastes, and you just pour it into a small bottle of uh, water for me, and uh, you put it in 16 ounces, and it hydrates you. It tastes good. It leaves me not feeling thirsty anymore. Uh, my favorite flavor so far is strawberry lemonade. Uh, once I break into my new flavor multi-pack, uh, once the spring sports seasons uh, get underway, I will uh, report back with uh, any changes there. But if that sounds good to you, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Gooner at checkout. That is 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Gooner at liquidiv.com. That is G-O-O-N-E-R. There is no U in Gooner. There's also a link in our show notes or description to make it easier for you. Shop Better Hydration today with Liquid IV. So, yeah, the second half, uh, we more than doubled our lead. It was uh, a nice conclusion. Yeah, they just uh, they kept going. You know, like we yeah. said, they kind of spaced everything out nicely, so there was always a moment where things were, were going well. Saka with a, an excellent finish. Yeah, um, His second consecutive brace, or is it more yeah. than two? Yeah, no, yeah, there's another yeah. one with two. Um, Trossard, 
after a f- again, just that thing where he has to take a few shots where he finds his range. Yeah, and it, it, it was that. Like, I even made a note. It was funny. Like, if I look back at what I said, like, uh, it, where was it? Um, so, yeah, like, he basically, right. Trissard can't quite get it in. And then my notes, like, 64th minute. Trissard can't quite get it in. 65th minute. Trissard really searching for a goal. Gets a nice curving shot that can't quite catch the top left corner. 66th minute. <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was like relentless. Just like, okay, come on. It's my turn. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, but it's amazing. He scores and very, he's very cool in the celebration. Like, didn't, you know, not a big running around guy. Um, yeah. You know, he definitely, but he, he finishes it off nicely. Um, you know, I thought he had a nice game. I mean, really, everyone on Arsenal had, I, I have like, I have zero complaints about their performance on right. Saturday. I, I, everybody, everybody had at least a nice game, if not, if not better. Even, you know, even mentioned, even Raya had a couple of saves, which is not something you would typically expect in a 5 0 <laughs> blowout, but right. Raya had a couple of saves and they were, yeah. they were, you know, they were useful. So he did a little bit as well. Um, Havertz again was kind of a menace, and of course uh, is able to step around or, or through the last defender, his defender, and get one, make a five. Um, right. Just so you know, just and the the best thing about it really is how they were able to not only take control of the game but put put it to bed early, mm-hmm. so that you could start pulling guys off. Saka comes off. Uh, ben White comes off. Um, you know, we Trussard. got, yeah, yeah Trussard. Yeah, we got, we got, as we said, we got a Cedric sighting again. Mm-hmm. He played 30 <laughs> minutes. Uh, that was, you know, good for Cedric. Yeah. Um, you know, well, the, so what, one thing I want to ask you about as, as those players got subbed off. So that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was around the time of the injury to the, uh, uh, who was it? Who uh, Ramsey? Aaron Ramsey. Oh yeah, R- Aaron Ramsey. Right? Yeah. I think it was around then, and um, he. So that was first of all really <laughs> sad to see. Like I don't fault the referee for not calling that. That didn't look like it really should have been a foul, but yeah. he just went down the wrong way. And uh, I you haven't heard any updates, have you? On, on what happened? No, I, I I guess so. Again, remember I watch in a crowded space where I can't really hear what they're saying. I mean, what what? Because what we cut, we all we could see is they brought out they brought out like the stretcher. They looked like they right. put him in an air cast. They were giving him oxygen. Like they were giving they him oxygen. They said, I guess, for the pain. Um, okay. And yeah, they they were saying that they didn't know what happened. Their guesses were that maybe his Achilles tendon got clipped and could have maybe popped or something severe like that, where it was like you know relatively innocent contact that just happened to hit him in a bad way. It could have also been they said he was like clutching his knee as he hit the ground, and so maybe there was like some kind of knee injury that happened coincident with that or something. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't um Yeah, I hope he's okay. That would that but yeah that led to the ten minutes of stoppage time at the end ultimately. Right. I mean again it's always a weird thing with the oxygen. You're thinking like what what exactly was going on? What exactly was going on there? Um Yeah, I guess it's just calming him down and I I guess helping relieve the pain. I, I wasn't aware of <laughs> that use of oxygen before, but yeah. Uh, I'm I'm no doctor. But um but yeah, so much in a much less severe way, but around that time. So we had three players come on, Reese Nelson, Eddie and and Cedric Suarez came on and as they're all coming on, I had thought at first that uh, Declan Rice was 
coming off. But I was like, oh, no, wait, no, no, no. Oh, and they said, oh, he had some kind of contact lens issue or something. Yeah. He was on the sidelines fixing a contact lens or something, which. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a little, I'm curious as to why play wasn't stopped. Like why he, and maybe it's just Arsenal didn't care if it didn't think anything major was going to happen in the couple minutes it took him to do yeah. that. And not realistically, not actually two minutes, like a minute or less, but um, we played short sighted while that was happening. And it was just, I, I don't know that I'd seen that before. Like a player just kind of standing off to the side, fixing an issue like that while play continued around him. I mean, you have that. I mean, I think it was one of those he probably just noticed. I mean, he noticed whatever it is, something slipped. I, you know, I don't wear contacts, obviously. So I, <laughs> I can't speak to what that experience is like. But I, I mean, I feel like I've seen that with him before. Like, had an, a couple of players have an issue. I mean, he was over there. He's doing the sidelines, kind of doing the, yeah, the thing. I mean, you know, I, I given it was, you know, given it was 4 0 at that point. Well, right, exactly. Really cares. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and again, better than him being not being able to see out of one eye, I guess. I don't know. I don't know quite how bad. I don't think they're that bad, but I, I suspect, <laughs> it, you know, I can imagine that being I'm I, I'm like super skittish about like my eyes and like yeah. touching them. So like the idea of something that's supposed to be there, not just kind of being off would drive me absolutely insane. I well, yeah. That. So you probably won't like to hear this. But yeah, one of the one of the things that can happen that may have been the issue with him is like, yeah, the contact lens can kind of slide inside your eye socket and you need yeah. to try. Try and work it around yeah, exactly. and get it back into the opening of your eye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I have, heard, I have heard. I have heard that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like if I actually was a professional athlete, I'd go like the Horace Grant goggles. Like, I'd, yeah. you know, I, I, that's that would be my. I feel like that'd be the look I'd go with. I don't think I could do the. Yeah. I just can't do that. So. Um, yeah, I mean, when I'm playing, I have sport sunglasses I wear, and even if I'm in the gym, I'll still wear them because they're transitions. So mm-hmm. indoors, you still see pretty well. Um, but yeah, and I have like prescription inserts that go behind the sport sunglasses, so I can I can see pretty well that mm-hmm. way. But it, it, I think it says something about uh, this match that we're spending so much time talking about uh, eyewear. Declan Rice's <laughs> contact lenses. Um, <laughs> So, which, so feels, yeah. which feels like a random Twitter account of some and Declan Rice's <laughs> contacts. Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, yeah, we won five nil. Everything's awesome except the weather in Burnley. But uh, yeah, right. So um, before we get into player of the match, let me ask you something that that was mm-hmm. on my mind. So um, I first heard this from someone named Ed Catmull, who was one of the founding. Uh, leaders of Pixar, you know, an animation studio near and dear to my heart for multiple reasons. Um, and he, he wrote a book that was like kind of like the inside story of how Pixar got started and stuff. I really liked it. And one thing that he talks about is the idea that success hides problems. And it, it's very easy when you have like the Toy Story movies and things like that, that are huge box office successes to assume everything's good and will stay good and to ignore what is wrong in those things. And, it'll eventually catch up to you and Pixar institutionally doesn't let that happen. They make sure that they're, and you know, to varying degrees, it's not like every they've had enough movies by now. Not all of them are, are the best, right? Mm -hmm. But their process is such that they do everything they can to catch problems early and correct them and approach things with an unbiased lens. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me ask you, for Arsenal of today, like, you know, we're sitting here with a couple blowout wins, a couple, you know, normal wins before that. Um, what problems could you see? Like, what shortcomings, if you were Arteta, would you be working with them on? Um, so 
let me let me start by saying that this concept that you're bringing up here is a, is a very coach like mindset. Like as a, as a coach or a manager, you're always looking for like the 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 areas where you can improve and they'll always talk about like a favorite game is a game we win but we didn't play very well so you have something to work on and practice what i will also say is right now there are no problems like i realize that's an odd thing to say yeah but really the I, honestly this is and again we're probably not at like i guess if we think about we've talked about the stages of development that Arteta has arsenal going through the phases or what have you this is not arsenal in their final form as Arteta is probably conceiving of them, but this is probably about as good as as we're going to look now. Every every team at some point hits a vein of form, like the idea that like everything clicks the way it's supposed to. You know, the, this what separates even good teams from great teams is how long can you maintain that consistency? I, one of the things that makes me really generally very positive or very optimistic about this is how repeatable our play style has really been. You know, they, we've talked about XG, and, and there are a lot of problems with XG as a stat, but, like, we talked about that Liverpool game we lost to them in the Cup. We outplayed them for most of that game. Their goal came a bit against the run of play, and they got some pressure and were able to get the second one, which was annoying to, you know, put it away. But, you know, the real problem we were running into was, and then we had a little bit of this problem against West Ham and a few of the games we've dropped points. We didn't finish. And that can happen to anybody. I mean, we saw, we just saw it with City. You know, they, they, um, you know, they had a game where they just couldn't finish and they wound up dropping points at home to Chelsea. So in a sense, I, I guess what I'd see is we're hitting a vein of form. I think if you're Arteta, the goal is how do we make sure we maintain this? Um, and there's going to be increasing rotation of players as we get to the Champions League and the, and the two games a week we're about to run into. So in a sense, I, I think the question isn't so much what are we doing wrong? The question is how do we make sure we maintain this high level we're at? I, I, my, I was not truly a competitive athlete at any significant level, except mm-hmm. for that league, but I, I do recall one of the things we talked about in – uh, I remember watching this another sport. They talked about the goal was not the goal was he called it a high flat plane. Like the goal is not a necessarily improvement. The goal is to establish a consistent a level of, of you know your skill and then consistently hit that and match that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of this is psychological. You know what's the be- you know every group of players is different. How do you reach them? How do you motivate them? And it's different. And I've seen some talks about you know motivating people and like like. I get the idea that, and I I understand very much the idea you're looking for. Okay, what are we doing wrong? At the moment, we aren't doing anything wrong, Okay, which is a nice place to be. Now, we are not going to play this well the rest of the season. Like, let's, 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 uh, what I would say is temper your expectations to the point of like, don't freak out if the next, if we we play Newcastle on Saturday and we win one nil and it's a cagey competitive game, (laughs) you know. As long as we continue to do the things we're doing, we have possession, we generate opportunities. Yeah, or we might have a game where we we, we drop a points like you know like, or we lose or draw to, in a game where we have like five. You know, we outshoot them by five, but they score one goal on their one chance. You know, mm. it's about minimizing those mistakes and about capitalizing on our chances, and that's why you win five nil, six nil. So, right. you know. The question isn't what are we doing wrong, because I don't think we really are at this point. The question is how do we maintain that level? Now, again, Arteta is watching these games 
in terms of individual performance on a level that you and I cannot really conceptualize. Right. Again, right, you know, again. This is full time job. Yeah. They, right. It's his full time <laughs> job, but that's why that's why he has the job at that le- there's twenty people who manage Premier League clubs in the world in, in the world. And, you know, he's mm. he's one of them. So, you mm. know, he, he <laughs> there are things he can nitpick about their performances that we won't necessarily even think about, partly because of what we see you know, we're watching on TV versus he's standing there on the sideline and has asked them to do certain things and that, you know, we look and say, Oh, that wasn't a very good play, but our tennis sits there and goes, No, that's what mm. I wanted you to do. It just hasn't worked yet. So I'm sure he's got some things he's thinking about, but from our perspective, I mean, I would also say, like, just relax and enjoy this. This is yeah. the part of the season. You you know, the season is long. Enjoy these moments as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, all right. Uh, who is your player of the match? Um, honorable mention, once again, to Martin Odegaard, who was excellent. But I think it has to be Saka, who was a good, again, who is, I think, the the most talented player on the team. And he has another another two goals. Just he's he's really really good. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was thinking too. I mean, it's it's, it's hard to argue in this yeah. match. I mean, obviously we had five goals from four players, which is a yeah. great place to be in. Uh, but he's he's the one who repeated, and yeah, it's uh. It's that time. It's soccer. Yeah, I mean, we could. I mean, we could easily say, as I mentioned, Odegaard. Honorable mention. Declan Rice was yeah. his usual self. Saliba yeah. was. Saliba was good. Um, uh, who else did I wanted to shout out? Uh, you know, Havertz. We mentioned it's, it's kind of everywhere, and it seems increasingly comfortable with his role in this team. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, so yeah, I think. Uh, but but I, you know, I if, if we're picking one guy, I'm going to go with Saka this time. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right. So, uh, what is coming up next week? All right, next week, uh, the champions, we're back in the Champions League. Uh, round of 16, first leg at Porto. Uh, we'll be in Portugal on Wednesday, and that is going to be on Paramount+. Plus. Um, CBS over-air television gets Barcelona-Napoli, which, to be fair, is kind mm. of interesting. Um, <laughs> and then on Saturday afternoon, it is a late kick. Afternoon kickoff home against Newcastle. Which should be a very big one. Um, Newcastle, of course, we lost at St James's Park um, in a game that I missed, but you know, it's one of those contra- a controversial goal conceded. Um, but yeah, Newcastle. Um, you know, we got two games a week. This two games this week. We do not have. Uh, we have. We do not have two games uh, the next week. Um, as we, we head forward, we're, we're in the stretch we have. We've talked about this. Uh, six games remaining between now and the next international break in mid-March. Um, you know, Newcastle's a tough one, but it's at home. Other than that, you know, at Sheffield, Brent, uh, Brentford, and uh, home to Brentford, home to Chelsea, plus Porto in the Champions League, there's a lot of winnable – there's a lot of points out there to pick up. So yeah, definitely. you want to keep, keep, you know, that hot, keep that high-flat playing going because we'll hit the international break, and then we come back. Uh, to play city. So, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> just to remind listeners who may be newer to the game. So, uh, Porto is going to be the first leg, which means mm-hmm. we play them away and then at home and the points from both legs get added up to determine the winner. Right. Yes. And the, ag- uh, the, the aggregate score. Um, yep. so it's, so yes, it's, it's basically the total goals over the two games. Um, whoever scores the most goals, Obviously wins. I ima- basically imagine this game at Porto is the first half, and then they'll play the second right. the second half uh, in two weeks in, and in then the Emirates. What is the tiebreaker now? 
the tiebreaker is it used to be away goals, and as I, right. we've talked about, they've gotten rid of that. Um, I believe they may go directly to. I think what we saw last year when they played um, Sporting in the in the Europa League, I believe. And I'm vamping a little bit so I can look this up. I believe they go straight to. Um, I, I believe they will actually go straight to um, uh, extra time, and then um, okay, and then they would go to, and then to penalties. Um, I don't. I don't believe they. I think they did do away with the away goals. Yeah, we'd covered the rule change at one point, but yeah, I don't remember yeah. the details. So, okay. And do you know during the second leg, will they show in the broadcast? Will they show like both scores, like the current yes. score and the cumulative score, like yes, throughout sh- or every so often? No, they'll have it up. They'll have it up on the little score bug. I, okay. it, they'll have the you'll you'll know exactly where the round stands at, <laughs> at all times. Um, you know, the the obviously the goal is to win at is to get the win, which would obviously be, you know, ideal heading home. You know, if we don't win, you know, a draw would be a solid result and then be able to, to go home and to try to get a win. Um, but, you know, to, the, the classic formula is win at home and draw a draw on the road. And if we get a result, that's a, that puts us in good shape. Uh, but obviously a win would put us in excellent shape. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. If you're watching on YouTube, you can also listen to our show on Apple, Spotify, and some other places. If you're only listening, try watching us on YouTube. There's a link in the show notes to take you there. Wherever you watch or listen, please like, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with friends. Any of those things will help us out a lot and we appreciate it. Uh, thanks again to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You can find them with our special link in the description. Find us on Twitter with a link in the description as well to get updates and ask questions. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frank. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Ah, come on, you gunners. So, show titles. Got a bunch that I grabbed this time. Mm. (laughs) I I think I know what my my preferred one would be. I'm curious what you say. Um, hmm. So I'll, I'll read them out loud for the benefit yeah, no, no, of anyone re- watching or listening. No, for the benefit of anyone watching or listening. So, uh, very English. I've seen enough. Those seasons are long. A wild ride. Legally offside. A bit of an edge. A higher plane of shenanigans. They kept going. Declan Rice's contacts. Success hides problems. A vein of form. A high flat plane. We're, we're kind of uh, in a geometric vein with these planes this time. And enjoy these moments. <laughs> I have to say I'm leaning towards a higher plane of shenanigans or enjoy these moments. Yeah, so I've been thinking a higher plane of shenanigans or a wild ride. Um, so <laughs> I'd go shenanigans. I don't, yeah. I don't know. A wild ride doesn't strike me as... It wasn't terribly wild. It was actually fairly boring. <laughs> we were definitely going off topic. And again, in the bar, we were yeah, just talking yeah. about random stuff in the second half. Uh, continuing to make jokes at the expense of Harry Kane and Bayern. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so one thing I wanted to tell you about, I mentioned, I think it was in the post show um, last week, but <clears throat> I went to the Apple store this weekend to mm. see, because I'd heard in people who, who had Apple vision pro, but then also went to the Apple store to get a demo that there were some things in the Apple store that weren't available to the public. Mm. Now, 
between when I scheduled that visit and then like a week later when I was actually able to to go, they did add one more thing to what's available on the device. So the demos that they've had so far were um, this elephant or rhino rehab place in South Africa. And there actually is a little bit of soccer. There, there are little African children playing soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it was like focused on the rhinos. And then there was an Alicia Keys one we talked about and this high line walking person like over the cliffs of Norway or something. Right. Um, those are those are the main ones they have so far as far as immersive video. But what they mm-hmm. added was kind of a sizzle reel. It's called like experience immersion or something like that. And so it has clips from all of those. And then it also has clips from some that are like underwater where you're up close with sharks. Um, and there's a couple others, including brief clips of MLS like it actually showed a Miami shot attempt I don't mm-hmm. think it was a goal that they showed I think it was a near miss um, a little bit of baseball I don't think they showed basketball or anything so mm-hmm. I was curious going into this visit this weekend if they did have something else or if it was just that that one little sizzle reel that they've had in the Apple store but didn't make public and they've now made public and it was the latter like it was just that they didn't have anything and they don't any longer have anything in the store that you can't see at home on the Mm -hmm. device. What is interesting is when you're sharing your vision pro with somebody else, um, you can mirror the screen. And even when you have it on, like as the primary user, you can mirror your screen so other people can see what you're seeing. But as soon as you go to watch any video content, your screen like is black and theirs is black. Like you can't, nobody can watch video while the screen is being shared. And this is rights management mm. stuff. Like yeah. I remember way back in the day, like years and years ago, like when I was in high school, I had a DVD drive on my Mac or not my Mac, on my windows PC. And I'd be going to play something. And if I went to take a screenshot, I was always mystified at how I take a screenshot and the rectangle where the video was supposed to be was green. I think it was like a dark green color or something. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. Like there's always been a protected pathway to just to make it tougher to pirate video. Mm-hmm. I do wish that they were able to black it out for the screen being shared but let the person with the headset on still see the video because that would be valuable to me like when she was watching stuff to be able to see that she was seeing something and just Mm -hmm. wait for her to finish and then still be able to see everything else but whatever so so that said let me i've seen now twice this experience immersion thing what they showed in this like five second clip of mls play they had a stereo camera mounted above the center of the crossbar on the goal. Mm. So you can see the whole field from that point of view, right? It's like Mm. basically like just about the keeper's view of the pitch. Slightly better, like a taller keeper than has ever lived. But (laughs) the same idea, right? Um, That's pretty cool. I mean, definitely when you're seeing a shot on goal, that is the best view you could hope for, for seeing how how it lands. Mm. Um, That was pretty cool. I do wonder when they inevitably end up rolling this out. Hopefully in the regular season, I'll get to see something soon. Um, but when they do roll this out, I imagine they will have to switch between different perspectives, like different camera setups. They're not going to go with just one for the whole match. That seems like that wouldn't work. And switching between like the two goals would be kind of jarring and difficult to follow what's going on probably. So I don't know what mm-hmm. they're going to do there, but I do wonder. So theoretically you've talked about your ideal camera view being like directly above the center dot and just like seeing like on a game board, <laughs> seeing the yeah. players moving around live. Right. How, would you prefer a single fixed crossbar camera where you can see the whole pitch? Would you prefer that to the telecast that moves around like around the center line? 
I don't know. I guess that's me one I'd have to actually like look at it. I mean, yeah. I guess part of part of my ideals. I mean, part of my ideal stems from like re- almost recreating the in stadium experience. One of the things mm-hmm. I like about being in person is you are fixed. We talk about the fixed camera. It doesn't necessarily have to be behind like way up there. You know, it could just be like. I mean, again, I got used to sitting behind the goal and sort of watching things develop that way. But it could also be sort of like fixed at the center and sort of seeing you know the field goals on either end. Mm-hmm. Um, either either one of those. Um, but you know, I guess I'd have to sort of see it to be to be sure. But you know, then again, okay. um, yeah, no, but it, yeah, I'd, I'd have to see it. I think to to really be sure. But I get the idea. It is it is kind of interesting in that just that notion of because to me that's what you lose with the camera that moves and sort of because it always tracks the ball of course right you sort of lose the the intricacies and the development of what's happening because you're always just following the ball and it becomes a little bit harder to see some of the off ball stuff and you can sort of again you can they always talk about as you as you the more you watch you train yourself not to to fixate on the ball but try to widen your perspective and watch Almost, you're watching every everything except the ball, and you can almost start to see where it'll go. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, part of that is always reliant on the cameras shifting and moving, and you know, doing different things that I can't do myself when I'm right. you know sitting there in a, in a stadium. So, yeah, well, then that's that's the promise of something like this, where you've got like 180 degrees field of view, and you do pick like where you are looking. So mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious as time goes on, what how we see this being adopted. I mean, it sounds like from what I'm reading on the Apple blogs that I follow, like something will be in place for the NBA sooner or later. Like mm-hmm. hopefully this year, it seems like um, we may see something for the NBA. So that that could be cool. Mm. Might, might watch they, some basketball for the first time in a while. <laughs> anyway, they just—I mean—they just had the All Star break, so their their seasons they're past the halfway point. I mean, right. they are in the spring and summer. Um, although it's interesting, you mentioned it makes sense that if they would Apple would show the clips for MLS and, and ba- Major League Baseball because they have rights to those. Right. I, I don't think they have anything. I mean, I, they, unless they have the rights to televise something through an, you know what uh, Turner or ESPN. Well, right, and it may not be that they have the rights. I mean, keep in mind, like, yeah, they have content rights for those, but, I mean, it's still a, a nice thing. Like, let's say you're, I don't know who has most of the NBA rights. Let's say it's CBS or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's still in their best interest to provide an immersive experience, even though Apple's selling the hardware. They can still attract customers mm-hmm. who want that, right? Even if yeah. they buy Apple hardware, they're still paying software, like, revenue to them for the, for the subscription. So, Oh yeah. They're, oh, no doubt. Yeah. They're looking into that. Absolutely. That's, that's, and I'm trying to remember they, they showed, I think it was at an NBA match. Someone spotted an Apple like stereoscopic camera that was like near mm-hmm. the, um, the, I think the commentators booth or something mm-hmm. like that. It was like right there. So you mentioned baseball. What they showed for baseball was a camera kind of like behind where the first base coach would be like, you know, just, mm-hmm. just, uh, just over the foul line from, mm. from first base. So, so again, like having that perspective and I don't know how they're going to shift it around. I don't know if they'll give you control. Like if you want to mm-hmm. pick where you want to be, that would probably make a lot of sense and they could easily mm. accommodate that. Or if it's just going to naturally shift around the way that they shift cameras today, but it's cool. I mean, it's cool seeing it like stereoscopically. It is like you're there. So that's, mm. that's pretty cool. Mm. So. Yeah, something to look forward to. I will, I will update more as uh, as those become available. That'll get me to watch some Friday night baseball if uh, mm-hmm. they start doing that. So, yeah, oh yeah, no, they're 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 they about to say they're they're on the schedule for that this year. So yeah. I expect to, I don't, you know, I, 
I was looking up some of the schedules of games and what was on where, um, you know, like the national broadcast. I, Apple was the one that hasn't released theirs yet, but they felt like they were they were doing theirs sort of a little bit more closer to like Fox has games lined up for the whole season already. Um, ESPN, I think, is like for the first two months. Their Sunday well, night games. I'm pretty so. sure Apple is exclusively Friday night baseball. It, so it's it is, just but they Friday ha- matches. Yeah, but they haven't. But they haven't picked which ones. Like ESPN has Sunday was, night. I thought baseball. it was all of them. I thought it was every Friday match. No, it's not. No, they no they they pick and choose. Um, oh, okay. And they get. I mean, the idea is they get an exclusive broadcast to one of them, and so like that's that's the idea is you have okay. to watch it. You have to watch it through them, but it's one game. They wouldn't do that for the whole schedule. Um. Right. I thought it was That's, just Fridays for the whole schedule now. No, okay. no, 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 no. It's just the specific game. Say ESPN has the, the, the showpiece, the Sunday night game, um, which is, is only only one game is allowed to be played at, on Sunday nights. Oh, okay. Um, and it's uh, minus rain delays and things like that. But by and large, right. they will only... There was... Uh, Texas used to have an exemption for that because you couldn't play summer games in Texas before like 6 o'clock. Um, right. But ne- their new stadium has a roof, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. So yeah, um I will let you know as more develops there. So mm-hmm. All right. Well, sounds good. Have a good one. I'll yeah. uh, talk to you next week. Next week it is.